Recording in progress. What's up, man? Yo, what's going on? Does this sound okay with these headphones? I just got you the sound... plugs in. Oh, they sound perfect. Yeah, I don't have the pro set up like you. I've just got the nothing. I'm surprised you don't got the pro set up. I don't got the pro set up, dude. <laughs> I'm just I'm saving up for it. <laughs> no, I never do podcasts. Really? Yeah, it's like my first one, I think. No yep. way. Yeah. Big scoop for you, man. Big scoop. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the, ex- really. the exclusive. This is a big exclusive. Hey, dude, sorry about this plant. I repotted a bunch of plants yesterday and um, like I just moved them on to the next biggest plant. Do you know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. There's like five of them. So I've just gone, okay, you're ready for this guy. You're ready for this one. So they've gone. Dum, 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 dum. But now they're sort of, this guy's acting weird. And I, this is like, when I have Zoom meetings, I always put my computer here on the couch. Yeah. The best light. The, no, it looks, room, so, it looks yeah. good. For a moment in time, I had so many plants surrounding, like it was between two ferns. And I was just like, I got to get this off because it's like not between two ferns. Oh, right. Oh, you've got one there. I have. You, this is only one What's plant that? that's next what to me. What is that? Is it's, it a monsteria? Is yeah, that what it is. It is. That's what I've got here. That's what this is. Dude, no way. That. We've yeah, got We should just monsters. leave the room and that could be the podcast. Like, <laughs> Wait, this doesn't... You just do audio, right? There's no video. No, it's it's just okay, audio. Cool. But I, I could drop some video clips. You never know. No, I know because I look like a slob today. No, you look Hey, um, thanks, man. I was just fishing. Um, so what do we talk about? Do you do, do you do like an intro for this thing? Of course. Of course I do. So what do you do? I'm actually going to still chat you up until uh i like go to the intro i my last guest was bringing up how like that i have a cold intro which this is the cold intro like you're on the hot seat right now like this is all right yeah oh do you feel hot okay no i feel cool i'm good to go you're good to go (laughs) on that seat yeah Yeah. (laughs) on my old couch dude my couch is fucked it's like this is the covid couch it was a good couch mm-hmm. and then work work from home totally ruined it the pandemic ruined this couch i gotta get a new one you don't have like a office or like a studio or like a closet no not at home oh actually no that's a lie i do i have like a little a little nook like a little writing nook but i tried to keep like my work for monster children separate from that because i was working on a, a novel Mm-hmm. So I didn't really want those two areas to cross over. I don't know why, like just out of so maybe like superstition or something. I don't know. Like I, just really? felt like I didn't want to do two activities in the same space. So I didn't want to bring my work life into the, into that place. And I guess that's what we're here to talk about, right? Like um, my side hustle. Yes, exactly. My, my other hat. Your other hat, which mm. currently to everyone out there, he, Jason is wearing a hat right now. I am not. Oh, it's a New Yorker hat. Yeah, it's literary. It's to make me. It's to make me. It offsets the tattoos and makes me look like I'm not a criminal. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at dealer. all. Not not at all. Not at all. Do you know what's insane right now is to like put your face on all the emails that I get from Monster <laughs> Children because it's always you. Oh, you mean the 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 newsletter? The newsletter. Yeah, because yeah, it's right, like yeah. your point, it's your point of view and you introduce yourself or like what's going on that day or whatever. It's it always ends off with you. And I'm like, who is this Jason guy? 
He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Dude, I, I do that thing once a week. I, I write it. on, So it goes out Wednesday, Wednesday morning, Australia time. Yeah. So I write it. I write it Wednesday morning. So it's right. like a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you it's because it's like a, a test for myself to do this thing. But the reality is I just leave it. Okay, I'll do that Wednesday. And every time I'm like, fuck, what am I going to write about? And then that's just when you get like straight up gibberish. Right. Mostly gibberish. Yeah. And it's hit and miss. Sometimes it'll be fun and other times it'll just be like, oh, oh well, it's too late now. It has to go. So out it goes, you know. But, but that um, gibberish like yeah. all comes together and it feels like I've known about your life for quite some time because I've subscribed to well, that newsletter cool. for such a long time. Yeah, right. It's weird. They they sort of let me get away with it. I think initially they were like, because like when I started at Monster Children, before Monster Children, I, I had like a, I was like a freelance writer slash bartender in New York. And I had a little zine called Woo Magazine. All right. You yeah. I'm, I was, Have you heard of this? I'm about to drop all that in the intro, baby. Oh, really? Yeah, you're oh, okay. you're giving me bio right now, and I'm like oh. loving it. Like it's <laughs> okay. it's so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. What? You're gonna talk or am I gonna talk? I'll talk. I'll talk. Okay. <laughs> First podcast. Okay. okay. Rashad, and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Desar, where we talk about your main gig, then we talk about your side hustle. Jason Crombie is a writer and the editor-in-chief for Monster Children. I've been reading Monster Children for years, whether it was for skateboarding, art, music, cars, girls, not porn, travel, design, photography, the list goes on. I have a stack of Monster Children in my USM hauler, no flex not porn. In 2003, Jason created the magazine Woo that featured Thurston Moore, Mark Gonzalez, Zach Galifianakis, James Dean's roommate, and Michelle Williams, among other lesser-known individuals, which would probably feature me at some point. Woo <laughs> established Jason as someone able to conduct interviews and cobble sentences together, which resulted in real writing work than more work. My favorite part of his bio is... Jason mentions that he was able to quit his job at the dildo factory and begin living the frightening and unpredictable life of a freelance scribe. So that means I no longer work at the dildo factory as well. Jason, you're at the dildo factory. It's good, man. It's so good. It's so good. Jason contributed features and interviews to publications such as ID, Vice, Saturdays, Fantastic Men, V Magazine, and more. Jason also provided creative direction and copy for many brands, including Nike, Adidas, Canon, Vans, Burton, and Budweiser. In 2012, Jason became editor-in-chief of Monster Children Magazine. Turns out he has been working on a non-fictional novel since 2017. This is one of the moments where I've known about Jason's work for years but never really mentioned it to anybody because nobody asks. I used to steal Monster Children's at Bards and Nobles, but now I can afford them. 
not a flex, not porn. Please welcome Jason <laughs> Crombie to wear many hats. Oh, God. You didn't really used to steal the magazine from Barnes & Noble, did you? When I was a teenager, yeah. Really? You're a shoplifter? When I was a teenager, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so was I. What was the... Because it was so expensive as a kid. But also shoplifting is fun when you're a kid. Because you like... Totally. There's the... In Australia, it's... I think it must be like 21 in America. But like, when do you become an adult in America? Oh, you'd be at like 18. 18. Right? Same as here. So you get tried as an adult once you turn 18. But prior to that, you're a kid. Right. So you can sort of fuck around and then retire undefeated right before you turn 18, which is what exactly. I did. I never got caught. What's right. the biggest thing you stole? I'm turning this into my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest thing you ever nicked? What's the biggest thing you stole? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. I, oh God. You're cycling through like a bunch of shit. No, no, I, ha I have it in my head. I have it in my head. I'm not going to say where, but it was a Leica. Oh wow! Yeah, and but That's it's amazing. not. It's not. It it was a big company, but like yeah. obviously not. I'm. I like to shoot photos as well, so I would never do that to yeah. another photographer. Yeah, yeah. But I sold it. I sold it. You sold it on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what the biggest thing I stole was. I used to steal like candy. I had like an, a raging um, pornography business going. I was. I was a paper boy, and I used to knock off the. Um, penthouse magazines and stuff and then i'd sell them at high school i had like a, a separate locker that i'd stolen a key for it was like an unused locker and i used to sell pornography out of that to kids that's what's up <laughs> such a great that was my first job in publishing so it's such a good start to uh, the interview <laughs> talking i also love that because it makes us appreciate art a lot more and like that i guess that's where we were how we we're set up to become like writers, photographers, creatives. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Of the art form yeah, of stealing. Yeah. If you can't get it, if I'm all for it for, for kids, like if you can't pay for it and it's like, if it's a creative thing, like, like a camera or something or like a guitar or I kind of back it. Like if my, if my kid, I don't have any kids, but if I had a kid and he came home one day with like a telecaster that he'd nicked from the local, I'd be like, cool. Right. Get me one. Go get exactly. me one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But um, I don't, yeah, anyway, sorry. To... No, no, you're good. You're good. Oh, wait. So Telecaster, do you, do you rip? I can play guitar. I'm not very good. I'm like one of those dudes that's kind of always had an, a guitar floating around since I was like a 16 year old, since I was 16 or something, 15. There was a kid in my town who moved to my little town and he could play guitar. And he showed me a handful of chords and then I was kind of hooked after that. But I'm right. not like, I'm not a good guitarist. Like I could probably play rhythm guitar in most bands in the top 40 <laughs> in the 80s. But um, but yeah, I'm not like, I'm not a leg guitarist, not by a long shot. What about you? I play guitar. That's so funny that you asked because I've been playing for such a long time, but I'm finally releasing my first two singles oh wow yeah that's Under amazing my moniker smog cutter which used to be a karaoke bar in las Feliz, but i took the name i've been holding on to it for quite some time but i have played in bands in philly and wait dude, where are you so you're in you're in la in philadelphia i'm in new york right now. now now you're in new york okay right right, right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i figured these sort of threw me then with las Feliz. i was like what what 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they give rhythm guitar players so much shit. I mean, we can rip too. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you need a rhythm guitarist, right? Like there's no there's no band without the rhythm guitarist. No. Unless no. Anyway. Um, that's cool. Smog was it smog cutter? Yeah, smog cutter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sick. And it's is it just you or is there a band or it's me, but I have my previous band members back in Philly contributing to music. And then my engineer, shout out to Chris. He's based in Los Angeles now. He's killing it and he's adding his stuff onto it as well. So it's yeah. been it's been quite a ride actually finally putting out music. It's it, I totally understand now what a musician goes through. It's, yeah. It's havoc. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound like fun. I feel like being a musician and making music would be kind of for me anyway. I think it'd sort of it'd damage my ability to sort of like enjoy music because mm-hmm. I think a lot of musicians they get sort of you know you start making music. I mean, this is I'm just imagining the scenario. I don't know. Maybe it's not true, but. I'm not well. Friends of mine who are musicians—they're really analytical, you know—in their ear, like they, they hear all the different things that are happening in a song, and it's almost like they um, perform like an autopsy on it in their head, and they kill it a little bit. Right. Whereas if you if you don't really understand a lot about music, you can just like relate. So you can, you can hear a song and sort of you know be moved by it without having to go, oh, I see what they did with the bass in that mm-hmm. bit, or I know you know what I mean. Oh, that saxophone's just there, right? That sort of shit. So yeah, I don't know. That's the one. Th- that's the one thing that it's the only reason I didn't become a famous rock star. Really, is I sort of that occurred to me. I was like, God, it'll ruin music for me. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pursue it. <laughs> I mean, but you've interviewed so many rock stars in your day. I have, dude. I've interviewed. Who have I interviewed? Interviewed. Um, well, you mentioned it. The thing, Thurston Moore. Who else? Legends. Yeah, a few. No one off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm ruining your podcast. I but, um, love that you also said uh, like musicians taking autopsy. I mean, once they hear my singles, you can hear like all of the mistakes and stuff that's like missing or whatever. Like musicians are going to critique this and be like, what the heck? And I would be like, it doesn't matter to me because I'm finally glad that it's going to be yeah, out yeah. there. It's like, yeah. It's, do you think like that though? Like you make some music and you go, oh, like the music nerds are going to hear this bit and they're going to go, oh, no. I shouldn't. Do you like second guess stuff? Like when you're producing? Oh, all music? the time. All the time. Even the musicians I have on the podcast, they yeah. also say the same exact thing. Like they wish they could change some things, but that's, it's like, that's so nerve wracking. And I'm just glad that it's just finally just going to be out. I have a lot of music yeah. on the back burner, but. Yeah, it's it just takes forever, but just don't listen to it after it comes out, and that way you'll be like, "Well, I can't hear." Just skip it. Scott <laughs> Walker used to do that, right? Like Scott Walker would release a record, and then he'd never listen to it, right? Because he didn't want. I don't know why. He just said he moved. He was all about moving forward. I think he's was his thing, but I think probably same as me. Like when the magazine comes out, I don't read my stuff that I wrote because I don't want to see it if I fucked up. Right. Right. So ignorance is bliss. It's like, it's too late now. I can't go back to the printers and say, Hey, can we change? It's done. No, especially those monster children magazines, dude, they're basically, they're a piece of art. 
every time it comes they out. They do look nice. Yeah. They turn out nice. Good design. As a teenager, that was like my starter pack of like Rizzoli books. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, like yeah. it's just, it's great for a coffee table. It impresses women. I mean, yeah, like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's all good. Like, your dude friends come over after like skating and you just like, Oh, what, how do you got like, okay. I thought you'd have Thrasher and trans world. But Monster can you children? afford monster children? <laughs> yeah. I stole it. I steal all my magazines. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good mag. I mean, um, coming into our 20th year next year, I've been there for, it's been 10 years now, which is nuts. I started as a contributor. I was like a, um, so I was doing Woo magazine, my little zine mm-hmm. in the States. I kind of, I started Woo because, um, do you want to know? Do you want me to tell you how I got started yeah, doing what I do? Of course. So I didn't, I didn't go to school to become a writer. I was going to be a fine artist. I was going to be a painter. And um, I got out of high school and I applied for this. There's a school over here called Victorian College of the Arts, which is kind of the, the best, you know, art school in the country. And um, my careers counselor in high school was like, oh, Jason, you know, you should don't put all your eggs in that basket. Like you should. I was like, fuck no, I'm going, that's, I'm amazing. I'm a genius. That's the school I'm going to. And of course they like knocked me back. And I was like, well, fuck. Okay. Well, I needed to get out of my little town anyway. So I was like, well, I'll just move to the city and then I'll apply next year. But then I, I just sort of, I didn't. And I just worked and like had jobs in bars and stuff. And then, um, then when I was like 20, 22 or something i moved to new 23 moved to new york yeah just working in bars there which was fucking great fun i had so much fun working in hospitality in the states it's the best that's great it's also gnarly but it's also yeah i've got some great memories but yeah and then i started so michelle williams right the actress so she lived across the street from me on ludlow like down near like chinatown let's go kind of ludlow and hester down there right i'm always there yeah yeah well, well back then this dude this was like Fuck, such a long time ago. But it, w- it was like there was nothing down there except for this cafe called Brown, which I worked at. And I lived around the corner from it. And Michelle Williams lived across the street and she was like a regular customer. And um, <clears throat> I was like, you know, a big fan of Big Brother magazine, you know, with Dave Carney and um, Chris Naratko. And their interviews were never about skateboarding. They were always about everything but skateboarding. And they were always really irreverent and silly and stuff. And I thought, fuck, I should do that. I could do that, you know? And then I decided to start a zine. And um, Michelle Williams was like the first person I interviewed. I asked, she came into the cafe and I, I sort of said, oh, you know, she came in a lot. So we were sort of, you know, we were quite friendly. And then I asked her if she wanted to do an interview. So yeah, so we we went out, we got drunk at Barrio Chino. Do you know Barrio Chino down, it's all in that neck of the woods. It's like everything happened in the one block. Um, we got drunk on margaritas and did the stupidest interview with her. It was so silly. <laughs> talking about what she's what she stole when um she left Dawson's Creek and how James Vanderbeek reminds me of a loaf of bread. Have you ever looked at James Vanderbeek's head? He looks like the bread puppet from Sesame Street. You remember that? No way. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> stupid, stupid interview. But that sort of launched launched the whole thing. And then um, there was other, you know, there are other people in that issue. It was like uh, Simone Pace. This is the first issue. It was like Simone from um, Blonde Redhead. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Anderson, not not Brett Anderson from Suede, but Brett Anderson from the Donners, which were like a all girl sort of 
garage band that were kind of big in like 2007 or 2008 or whenever this was. And yeah, my friend Andre, he laid it out and then we started giving it like, you know, just giving it out. So we printed, I can't remember how many we did the first run, maybe a thousand. And then I would, I would just go out with a box every day and just go around the shops and walk out into like, you know, Williamsburg and just walk around the city and just go in and dump them in shops. And then we did like the, the by the third issue, was still free, right? It was just sitting there at the front door with like all the flyers and stuff and it was staple bound. So it was a really flimsy little thing. Um, Real zines. Yeah, it was like a zine zine, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like professionally printed and it had like a spot color and stuff. It was, it was nice, but it was, yeah, it was a pamphlet. You know, anything, you know, the anything store? Of course. Oh, Any New, New York? York? Thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A New yeah, York yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had a shop down, it's, I think it's gone now, they had a shop on Hester Street, which was near the cafe I worked at. Right. And I put issue three in there and then just at the front door with all the flyers. And then my buddy Carlos came into the cafe and he goes, dude, they're selling, they're selling Woo magazine. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they're selling it. I was like, what are you talking about? So I go down there and they don't know I'm the guy that's dumped it in the door. Like they've forgotten me. I walk in and sure enough, it's on the rack and it's like 10 bucks. I'm like, huh, I guess the magazine's 10 bucks now. <laughs> so after that, it was like, I could put a price tag on it. It was like Aaron and those guys had gone. Yeah, this is worth ten dollars. Boom! It started selling it for me. That's you know, sick. I didn't get a cracker, but um, that sort of established it as something you could actually, you know, people might want to pay for. Yeah, and then it sort of took off from there. And then the Monster Children guys got copies of it, and then they asked me to um work for them like freelance. And then uh, they offered me the after about a year, I think they offered me like the job of the editor's role. They didn't have an editor for the first ten years. They just sort what? of. Yeah, they just sort of did it themselves. It was very, very Gilligan's Island, you know, like <laughs> a couple of coconuts and some bamboo. No, it was like, it was, yeah, it was pretty sort of DIY. They did yeah. a great job, but it was like, they didn't have a... So when I came in, it was like, shit, first editor for the magazine. They didn't know what I was supposed to do and I didn't really know either because I hadn't edited. I mean, besides Woo, I, did, I hadn't really edited a magazine before. So it was kind of a learning experience right. initially. Yeah. And you're still there. But, um, dude, I'm still there. And you're still All there. these years later. So that's like, basically, you lived through old New York of like, well, not even that old, but like, just going from like store to store and dro yeah. dropping off like zines and whatnot. These days, Dude, everyone's just sick. Like, I went into the, the old Vice offices when they were in Green. Oh, no, they're in Williamsburg. Where are they now? Do you know? They moved, right? Like Dumbo or some shit. But anyway, it was, I think it was Williamsburg. So I went into the with issue four, which was the, um, had Jerry Sue on the cover shot by Tim Barber. It was a great, great issue. It was like the first one that was perfect bound, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't staple bound. It like had a nice glued, uh, spine. Um, and I went into vice and just walked straight in. They let me straight into the office and I just walked around and just put them in front of people that were sitting at desks and computers and just like, like I was meant to be there. Like a paper like, boy. Oh. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Thanks. And I was just gave out like 30. And then sort of walked out the front door again. And then a week later, I got a phone call from um, uh, Amanda Keller, I think her name is. I haven't said that in a long time, thought of it for a long time. But she was the, um, she wasn't, uh, Jesse Pearson was the editor. I think she was the deputy editor. Oh but then God, she called Jesse me in for Pearson. it. That's neat. Yeah. Dude, have you got him on the show before? You should get no. him on. He's got like, he's got side hustles. I mean, that magazine that you put out is legendary. Apology. Uh, yeah. Apology. I love Apology. Have, have you listened to the podcast? The podcast was right yeah, as well. I have. 
yeah. Oh. He's such a rad dude. Yeah, so then I got sort of like some press through Vice. Like they they did an interview with me. It was great. It was a great time. It could sort of, it was just felt like very DIY and like, it was just fun as fuck. It was fun to put something out in the world and like see what happened, you know what I mean? Which which you'd know about, everyone knows about it. But if you make stuff, it's like, it's such a lovely feeling. If you make something by yourself and then you put it out in the world and just like the, the way, you know, the reverberations, like the things that come from it, the people that reach out to you because of it and the, and the opportunities that come about. It's fucking great. And it was the first time I'd ever done that. And I was, I was blown away by how much fun it was and how, how, how good it was. Like, it was just great. So much fun. I love that feeling. It. Yeah. I've just, yeah, just sort of creating something, putting it in the world and then changing your world as a result, you know? Do you yeah. still get that feeling? <laughs> Not with monster children anymore, just because, you know, it's been 10 years and like the mag goes out and, like I'm always proud of an issue or, or you know, if, if I write something, I'm particularly happy with it. Or if someone, you know, one of the, one of the writers on the team does something great and I'm, I'm like, I enjoy it and I'm proud of it, but I don't get that feeling of like, I don't get that anymore. Mm-hmm. Which you brings me to my, to my novel. <laughs> <laughs> Once that gets published, that'll be, that'll be. Uh, thrilling. Yeah. That'll be thrilling for sure. Yeah. Fingers I... crossed it all works out. I, I get exactly what you mean. You said 10 years at Monster Children. This will be my 10-year anniversary of my creative practice that the Wear Many Hats podcast is under called Disarm, which started off as like we curated a bunch of art shows and like it was a streetwear brand back in Philly, but now we grew into this like whole creative umbrella and yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, is that feeling still there? I all the only feeling I feel with it is that I'm glad that I'm holding on to something for that long. And how do you mean that it's like still going? Like it's something that oh. I truly like still love. That's also like taken me all over the world and connected with me with like a bunch of people. But yeah, I mean it's definitely a milestone and the feeling is it's like it's there just like like a star like a little like yeah 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 blip. i know what you mean yeah yeah 10 years is a long time i just it's weird it's weird for me i sort of i just really enjoy the work like i think i've got so much freedom to do whatever i want which you don't have at other publications you know no no not at um, all like i mean you know the, the newsletter that goes out every week like i can do whatever I want in that. Yeah, I mean, like no one says, which is amazing. You know, like most most publishing houses, almost yeah, like they'd be like, oh no, you can't do that, or hang on, we want you to write about this this week, and can you do this? And but it's it's really just besides our sort of obligations to like brand partners and stuff, mm-hmm. it's pretty much like sky's the limit, do what you want. So which is kind of addictive for me anyway. It's kind of why why I've been there as long as I have because yeah. Yeah, because it's like, fun, you know, I mean, like you said, and what I said in the newsletter, like you incorporate bits and pieces of your life within the post. I think I read somewhere of a big breakup or a heartbreak. How are you today? Oh, yeah, that was in uh, May. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We're going to talk about my recent breakup. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. How'd yeah, that go? No, it, was, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, well, fuck it. We can talk about it. I don't think she'll care. We, um, 
it was probably the most, probably the tidiest and most economical breakup of my life. It was really just like, it's time. Yeah, it is. All right. Okay. All right. All right. See, you. I'll come back next week and grab my stuff. All right. Bye. <laughs> and that, that was kind of it. I mean, it sucked because, you know, it's, I mean, it sucked for both of us because you know, after you've sort of been with someone for seven or eight years, Whoa. even if it's not working anymore, yeah, it was long. So it was, even if it's not long. working anymore and you sort of can't, you can't resolve, resolve things. Right. You sort of, you know, you, I really miss her. Like she's like one of my best friends. Right. And I know she feels the same way. And it's just, it's interesting. I don't know, relationships are weird. You know, the, the worst thing that can ever happen, I think, in your life is you spend X amount of years with someone and you love them and then something happens and then you never speak to them ever again. It's right. heartbreaking. It, that's I've, the, I've done the, that, that once and I'm just, yeah. I regret it so much because I'm just like, God, I wish I still had the person in my life. Even though, you know, they've moved, we've both moved on. Right. But it'd be great to still know them. Like, how can you, you just don't know them anymore? You, you don't know I guess them. That's anymore. the way it goes. How, yeah. It's you guys don't even talk. I ran into a, um, actually ran into her at a music festival briefly and it was, I was excited to see her and she was kind of awkward and it was just weird. <laughs> it was a bump. It was a bit of a bummer. You guys didn't know you guys were both going to be there? No, I had no, I had no Man, idea. I, and I hadn't spoken to her for like, to Dude, I hadn't spoken to her for so long. Like, I think it was close to 20 years. <laughs> Did you freeze or are you just like... <laughs> <laughs> are you doing math, trying to figure out how old I am? Okay. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. But um, yeah, no, I'm good, dude. My breakup uh, was for the best. Like, we both knew that. But um, yeah, no, I'm in a good place, I think. That's you know? good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I I recently got over that feeling too, so I I can relate. Oh, you had you had a breakup? It, it was a while back, but I this was like the first year we stopped talking. We tried to do the friend thing. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, and then we would run into each other in different neighborhoods, and then now we just like we fizzled out. You got to have the cooling off period. You can't just like break up and then instantly be friends. You've got to be like, all right, I'll talk to you down the track, and then right, and then you be you can be cool with each other. But yeah, but I, I mean, we still talk. So my ex girlfriend, her name's Gemma O'Brien. She's like a um, designer. You should have her on the show. She's like a kind of a. I think she's famous. It's fair fair enough to say she's famous in the world of like design and topography and that sort of thing. Oh, typography. Was, yeah, we get we get. We get you do design and type and stuff and graphic of course. stuff. Yeah. Oh, you should you should talk. We to have her. legends on the on the show. Commercial type, my good friend Christian Schwartz. I've also collaborated with him. He's he's wonderful. He was one of my first guests on the podcast. So yeah, we'll have her on. Oh right. Yeah, you should have her on. And then she can tell you her version of events. <laughs> <laughs> she can tell you how it was all my fault. No, I'm just kidding. She'd never say that. Breaking up's hard to do, man. But it's 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 good when it's. Because no, does anyone ever break up? Do you ever like break up with someone and kind of it's not a good thing? It's always a good thing. Like if you break up, it means one party didn't want to be be there. Right. In our case, it was like kind of both parties that were over it. So yeah. At least you weren't married or had kids, so you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> not messy not messy at all not messy at no, all no it's not messy at all no it's good but yeah she's a red chick she's awesome 
But uh, if you wanted yeah. it to take your mind off of, you know, things that happen in your life and those events that are heavy. Yeah, you're in Australia. I'm assuming you surf. No, I don't surf. I'm great. I'm glad that. Great. I'm glad. You're happy to hear that? Yeah, yeah I'm happy. No, I, I don't. I don't. I've had tons of friends who are surfers, many mm. of them professional, right. but I don't surf. I, I'm so fucking like when I first started at Monster Children, so we've got a guy that writes for us called Vaughn Blakey, Vaughn Dead. He's hilarious. Mm. But he's like, used to be the editor of Surfing World and he's like, you know, surf guy. And I was at a party. This is how bad I am. So I'm like, <laughs> like I've been the editor of Monster Children for a year and I'm at this party and I'm talking to I'm talking to Vaughn and then he introduces me to um this guy and the guy's like, oh, hey. And I'm like, Oh, hey, man. He's like a, you know, guy with long blonde hair, surfy looking dude. Like, hey, man. Yeah. So he says, Oh, this is, this is Crom. This is Jason. Let's go. Oh, hey, man. And then I go, What's, what's your name? And Vaughn looks at me and goes, It's Aussie. It's Aussie Wright. And I'm like, I don't know who the fuck Aussie Wright is, but I don't surf. But he's like a legend in surf. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was very funny. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Aussie. But yeah. You're like, so, um, you write for Monster Children, really? Because you don't even know the legends. <laughs> yes, dude. I have no idea. I've even been to like, I went to, um, oh God, pi- I've been to Pipeline. I went to Hawaii for Pipe in like, I think it was 2014 or something. And lived in one of the, I lived in, the, I think it was the Ruka house. One of the Ruka houses with all like the young sort of up and coming surfers. Is that still brand? Both, still both brand. Foster and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're still around. Oh, Ruka. Sure. Sorry, I was thinking yeah. of... Uh... I was thinking of another brand, but yeah, Ruka is like doing their artist thing still. Yeah. 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 So even that was like super weird because I didn't know who any of these people were in this house I was staying with. (laughs) They didn't know who I was either. So yeah, no, I don't, I don't, uh, I used to skate. I don't skate anymore. I'm too old. I don't bounce anymore. Like I used to slam and then get up and keep going. And now if you slam, it's like, once you hit like 35, if you're not a, really good skater by the time you're 35 and you're like eating shit a little bit it's just terrible like you're just always in pain then what do you do now to like i run i run dude you're a runner runner. yeah that's that's how that's how we do it that's how it goes yeah i run yeah Yeah. you're like i need that torture kind of yeah although i didn't run or do anything for a really long time like i i stopped skating in my early 30s late 20s i think but i'm like skateboarding's biggest i've betrayed skateboarding so many times like i've quit so many times and then started mm. again like i quit when i was 18 because i was like in my head i was like oh, man i'm too old for this <laughs> too so old I stopped. yeah i stopped for like three years and then i was like what am i doing i love skateboarding so i started skating again and then i got to like 28 and i'm like oh dude you're too old for this shit so i quit again but i was never good never ever a good skater I think like the the best trick I could do was like, I sort of came up like when Ray Barbie was a thing, like, you know, the, the rubber boys and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I was like, I don't know, dude, like no, like no complies, like 180 no complies. No, you're that step guy. Off. Dude, step off, shove it. What? <laughs> but, you're um, exposing I could, yourself. I could, I could land a really ugly, ugly kickflip. Uh-huh. And then that was cut. That was kind of the cutoff for me. Yeah, like after that, like forget about it. I couldn't do anything. I was terrible. I was a really bad skater. So what are you clocking in now with running? You want like you want my weekly mileage? 
I, I want your weekly I, mileage. I have a goal of 50K a week, 50 kilometers. I don't know what that is in miles. And I reach it probably, oh, I want to say half the time. This week, I'm not going to hit it. Generally, I hit it if I don't, if there, if there are no events during the week where I mm. can like potentially, you know, drink five beers. Because that fucks, dude. Alcohol's the worst. Alcohol fucks your life. It's oh, crazy yeah. how bad alcohol is. Even on this, on that sort of level where I'm like, all right, so I got 50, 50 kilometers. I want to run a week. That's my goal for the week. Every week, fifty k. And then on Wednesday night, I went to an art opening that sort of turned into a party. And Always I got nice. home. I woke. Yeah, I woke up the next day dusty. I'm like, oh, I don't feel great. Probably not going to run today. So then the whole running schedule is fucked for the week. And that's you know like. I don't know. I sound like someone who should be handing out pamphlets for AA sometimes. But like, it's just, it's just like, you know, handing out pamphlets for AA. No, 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 no. no. That kid, that, I mean, I mean, that actually should be me. I like when I was announcing my singles that I was releasing for the music. I'm like outside of a church and it and I'm holding a coffee and I'm chilling and it kind of looks like I just came from an AA meeting or like rehab or something like that. But because I I stopped drinking, which is kind of oh, did you stop drinking? Yeah, I'm like Good I'm not for you, feeling dude. It. You don't yeah. drink. Yeah, I stopped in February. Oh, so you're coming up to twelve months sober. That's amazing. Yeah, you, you know, like sober is a little tough. Like sober is a giant term. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, okay. So you haven't drank alcohol for twelve months in February, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's like kind What's of doing? it's really loose, only because of the fact that a lot of things have, you know, kombucha has alcohol. You know, non-alcoholic beers have like a little bit of alcohol. I know it's Tiny not like alcohol. Yeah. 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 So I wouldn't sober. I feel like in our in this day and age is it's got to be like cut off completely from like a lot of yeah right sober sober like i don't smoke pot i don't right i don't drink booze i don't do anything yeah exactly i don't that's that's amazing yeah did you feel like you got a lot done in the last what is it eight months since february i i mean i have before that i i never had a problem with drinking i just yeah one day i like was drinking and then I I got sick after and I was like you know I'm a, I'm gonna chill and I I get it it's it's fine I still go out to bars and stuff like that and you know yeah do the whole non-alcoholic thing but to be honest with you those that do drink you can totally I don't want to say judge but like you can t- totally see them like thinking something else being like oh is this guy like fun like. Oh, you mean when you're talking to people who are drinking? Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, kind yeah. of people, interesting. Dude, I took a year off, uh, not last year, the year before, just because I sort of drank since I was 16. Mm-hmm. Like, I got drunk for the first time when I was 16, and I was I had so much fun. And I was like, well, fuck, I do this every weekend, I guess, because right. this is great. And then, uh, yeah, all my life, like, not drunk all the time, but just, you know, alcohol was just always there. And then I thought, fuck, I haven't been sober since I was, I haven't been sober for longer than like two or three weeks max since I was 16. So I took a year off and it was amazing. I got so much done. Like I finished, you know, I'm struggling to finish this novel. I finished the novel, landed an agent. Everything was, you know, it's just been full steam ahead. And I, I put it down to that, like not being distracted by alcohol. Like, cause you do lose time. You, you sort of, you have a good time. If you're, you know, if you're a good drinker, you can, you have fun. But 
at the expense of like losing life, like the next day is not going to be as productive as it you'd like it to be, right? Right. So I think um, yeah, there's definitely something in, in it. I mean, and also I feel like alcohol is like super weird, like old fashioned. Drinking seems dated. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. That's that's wow. That is definitely. Like if I was 18 right now, I think I'd be, I'd have a pretty dim view of alcohol. I'd be like, yeah, it's just like my dad drank, my grandfather drank, my great grandfather. <laughs> like I'd just be looking at the lineage and being going, this shit's fucking played. Like every, right. like what's something else, you know? And the fact that like, the other thing is, you know, like to get, I mean, it's different in the States now, but only just recently, but like to get pot in Australia, you have to go through, you know, you have to go to a doctor, you have to say you've got insomnia, like to, to legally obtain marijuana in this country, you have to jump through all these fucking hoops. But if you want to go out and get drunk, there's like on any given corner, there's a place where you can get alcohol in pretty much every city and every town, like there's just pubs. And I, it kind of shits me that like governments are like, yeah, you can have that, but you can't have this. Mm -hmm. And, and this is, this is proven to be, you know, uh, you know, people, people get drunk and smash cars up. People get drunk and kill people. People right. get drunk and, and, you know, domestic violence, all the horrible things that alcohol, you know, the, the side effects of alcohol, again, with the fucking pamphlets right now, Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I'm so, I'm so suspicious of booze. I feel like young people should be more suspicious. Like how come we're allowed to have that, but it's so negative right. and has such a negative impact on people's lives. And we've seen it happen for hundreds of years. How come that's okay? But then smoking pot and, you know, syncing up fucking nine inch nails with an episode of the X-Files <laughs> and eating a pizza is like at home is, is like illegal. Yeah. How, how does, I don't know if nine inch nails in the X-Files will sync up. They probably would. Though. How does the real you come out after drinking? Oh yeah. So you're going to be pissing outside. That's the real you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm actually a pretty good drunk. Like I'm not a I'm not an angry drunk. I have a lot of fun. I see I say that, but you know what? Get get Gemma on the show, see what she says. She'll probably tell you I'm really annoying. Wow. Not because she doesn't drink. But like people, um, when I didn't drink for that year, dude, and you you would know this, but if you're going to bars and stuff and you're sober and you're you're not, you know, the only person not drinking, people when they're drunk, and I didn't know this until I took that year off. They grab you, mm -hmm. they grab your clothes and they, they're always shaking you and grabbing you mm -hmm. and repeating themselves. And their breath absolutely reeks like vomit. Have you noticed that? They stink. Drunk people stink and they're annoying and they repeat themselves. <laughs> and you don't, you don't notice it when you're, when you're drinking as well because you're in on it. You're like, yeah, let's grapple. Let's repeat stories to each other. And it's like a thing. It was so annoying. I, I stopped kind of fucked my social life up a little bit because I was like, oh, after a certain hour, after a certain time, I'm like, well, I'm checking out. You guys are idiots. Yeah. Well, how are you guys? Well, how are you guys with like the mushroom? Uh, mushrooms are illegal here as well. Yeah. But you can get them. Mushrooms are great, man. I love mushrooms. I don't do, I don't do them a lot, but on the handful of times when I have taken mushrooms, mm -hmm. it's always, it's always great. So interesting. This is the, the way that it sort of shifts the way you look at the world and the way you're seeing things. I really enjoy it. It's always up too. I never feel like bummed out or no. Although if you 
too close up. So we, there was a music festival here earlier in the year I went to, and one of the guys I worked with brought along some mushroom chocolate. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, were, we were having that one day at this festival. And it was fantastic. It was just incredible. You know, it's a fucking sea of humanity. Like, of course. Ripping out. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. But then if I encountered this, we stopped and talked to this this girl who worked for like some someplace, doesn't matter. But um, she was like in a really bad mood and she was having a bad time and she was grumpy. And I could just see the negativity like radiating off her. And I was like, fuck, I got to get away from her. because I'm going to mm. catch some of that. I was like, I'll talk to you guys later. And I just got away from her. So I, it was kind of, that was kind of amazing. You, you're sort of, you're predisposed to sort of optimism and, and happiness and good stuff, you know, and then sort of, you sort of, eh, I don't need that. But I thought, I thought that was really interesting about mushrooms and also the way nature looks, you know, the theory about how the mushroom, magic mushrooms make you, you've, you've done mushrooms, right. And been in like the of woods course. or in a park or anywhere, right. Where there's right. like vege- vegetation. And it always looks fucking amazing. I was like, my God, like one time I did mushrooms and I I studied a, um, a passion fruit flower for, I think it was an hour, 45 mm-hmm. minutes. I couldn't stop looking at it. I don't know if you you know those, uh, like a passion fruit flower, it's like a tiered thing. They're fascinating. It's amazing how they, they work. They've got these little stamens that come out and then there's another level and they're beautiful, incredible. Like, Yeah, I didn't know we had a scientist on yeah sorry dude. but it's like they're amazing right right and the theory and you don't really notice shit like that in in everyday life and the theory is that mushrooms when you're tripping on mushrooms you ingest the mushroom and the mushroom makes you appreciate the environment more because the mushroom needs you to look after the environment so the mushroom can continue its life and I can't remember, I don't know if it was on that fabulous fungi documentary or if I read it somewhere, but that just tripped me out. I was like, fuck, of course. Of course that's what's happening. Everything's, you know, it's all it's all symbiosis. Everything's everything's working together. Exactly. You know? Everything's working together. That's why I always order mushrooms on pizza. And those <laughs> that don't and still think it's the texture, grow up. <laughs> you know they. Like, do you know they're genetically closer to us than to like fruit and vegetables, mushrooms? Isn't that weird? No way. They're, ge- they're genetically closer to human beings than they are to fruit and vegetables. Really? Look it up. Yeah, they're so weird. They're fucking weird. Have you seen that documentary? The it's got, I think it's called Fantastic Fungi or Fabulous Fungi. No, I have not. I have not. But you know I'm you know I'm there. You you, you gotta check I- it out. It's a it's a trip. It's like amazing. You're like fuck. It's with uh, it's hosted by or it's narrated by who narrates it? Well, Paul, I think Paul Stamets is the guy. There's the big mushroom dude. Mm-hmm. This is turning into the fucking Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> no, it's it's not. I just like it's really, really, really good to hear that because I feel like society is now going down this road to opening up to like ketamine and yeah. and all these other types of like no drugs that were traditionally illegal exactly exactly and then just like using it for i don't know anxiety or any type of mental health issue like even like microdosing and whatnot it's it's like um it's definitely something that i stand behind which should be i mean it's it's, 
I mean, it's weird that this shit was made illegal in the first place. Like exactly. mushrooms and, and weed. Like, I don't know. There's, you know, cannabis, it's like, you know, the story about the DuPont family um, who make plastic. No. Make sort of, they make synthetic synthetics and they, um, well, they did. I actually don't know too much about them. But all I know is that when weed was made illegal in the States anyway, they lobbied super hard to make it illegal because it was, it competed with their synthetic product, mm. you know, because you could make anything out of hemp. You make, you know, fabric, paper, everything, right? Right. Hemp's super duper useful. And because yeah, hemp had a whole moment as well. Yeah, there's probably like pothead dudes listening to this now who are just going to be like, oh, this fucking guy, man, we've heard it. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know how much truth there is in it. You could probably look it up, but they lobbied against cannabis and they had it um, criminalized. They made it an illegal thing right? so that their synthetic business could go through the roof. That's, that's a really sloppy telling of that. <laughs> yeah. But I also think it's probably got a lot to do with alcohol, right? Because marijuana you can just sort of grow it in your backyard right you can't it's pretty difficult to make your own vodka right like right so if it's difficult to make that means you need a big setup to make it which means they can the government can tax you for it right. and tax the companies but if you're growing weed in your backyard like you don't get taxed for growing carrots or tomatoes or a pumpkin right like the government doesn't come over to your house and that's why because if you're smoking pot it means you're probably not getting drunk and they need you to get drunk so they can get those tax dollars. Of course, to make that money. It's ridiculous. And it, yeah. And the other thing is, is like psychedelics and stuff, like, you know, is mind opening drugs. Like they don't want you to sort of think outside the box. No. They want you to go to go to work every day at the factory and keep churning out the fucking flip flops. The dildo. <laughs> the dildo factory. The dildo factory. It's funny because yeah, like I'm gonna take that out of my bio. That's not good. Like you read it's a serious bio. It's like I couldn't go with the dildo factory. Mushrooms <laughs> uh I if it gives like this like positive effect, I also think that y- there's all these cr- like furniture brands like flows making like the the Nesso table lamp and and like the the bellhop like lamps, they they look like mushroom lamps i just feel like everything that's like a mushroom is just in a positive space and yeah yeah like and then marijuana they everyone just like says yo it's a plant like leave it alone you know where it's like alcohol it's always like the three x's on like a cartoon bottle yeah yeah it's crazy weed though like i feel like weed's just it's stupid now like i was in la in (laughs) april and I hadn't been back because of the pandemic. I hadn't been to the States for a couple of years. Right. And I went back, immediately went to a dispensary just because you can, you know. Mm. And they're just gummies in, in the state. Weed doesn't need to be that strong. I don't know who needs to be grappling with reality every time they take a toke on a joint. But, like, it's just so much. Right. It's right. so, so fucking – it's not even fun. It's like doing no. acid, you know. It's like a job. <laughs> like, no, I want to – this is recreational drug use. This isn't this isn't a fucking, you know, a big day of grip, you know, hanging on to reality and hoping right. for the best. Like, I don't know. I'm a bit of a lightweight. Well, I'm glad that, you know, when you took off from drinking, you took that break, you were able to write your novel. Complete the novel, yeah. The manuscript. So I'd been struggling with it for about two almost three years so what's it about Drop well it. let's go agent it's a, i mean it's out congrats there. yeah thanks man yeah i can hang up my typewriter now right got mm-hmm. an agent 
but that happened earlier in the year and we've just sort of been working on rewrites. It's kind of weird. There was like, I can't really say too much about the process or how, how, it's, how everything's been, but like one of, so I got an, I finished the manuscript. I had like um, a hit list of agents I thought would be a good fit for me. I was like five of them or maybe seven. And then I sent out these, you know, these, these letters, like, you know, I think it's, I think it's like 50, the first 50 pages of your manuscript and then just like a cover letter, you know, who are you, what the book's about, da, da, da. In the first week, like the guy that I was like, this is probably my dude, he got back to me and I was like, wow, fuck, it's on. Like I, I've literally finished a manuscript and then within a week, I've got someone who wants to represent me. So we we worked on the worked on the manuscript together. He said, you know, I think you need to you make more of this. I need more backstory about that. So you know, rewriting, 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 and then in September, he went out with it and took it to a bunch of publishers, and I won't say which one, but one of the, the they call them the big five. One of the big five publishers took the bait, and they're like, oh, this is great. We love it. We can, you know. So we had these meetings. Um, you do you know, publishing works like a publishing house has like say penguin will have like x amount of imprints which are just different sort of like you mm. know this one does science fiction this one does so and every imprint has like a stable of editors and the editors uh get approached by the agents with manuscripts i think this guy's book's great you should check it out you might want to and then the editor looks at it and goes you know what yeah let's buy this book and then he takes it to his higher ups and says i've got this manuscript i, I really think it's, it's it, you know it's marketable we could we could sell it and then say yes or no. So had all these meetings and it was great and everything was moving forward. He found like, uh, you know, an editor who was interested. And it was happening. And then it got cut off at the executive level. It's like, oh, dude, it was like this close to the gold ring. You know, I was like, fuck. But it happened so quickly. It was all like, this is almost too easy. So it wasn't like a bidding war. It was more like you were just oh, well, climbing. The thing was, it was. There were two, there was, a, there was another publisher, like a lesser publisher who was interested as well. And because we went with the better one, you know, we had to say to the lesser one, you know, well, I didn't say this, but I'm assuming my agent said, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, we're, we're going somewhere else. Right. You can't go back to them after they've, <laughs> they've said no. So I was like, oh, God, she's gone with that one. The, 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 feedback, the feedback from this editor from this particular publishing house was like, so it was invaluable. It was really good. That was, that was kind of a positive. So... I've been in rewrites since late September, so that October, November, a couple of months. Yeah, I give the manuscript back to my agent this week or next week. And then he goes out again, I guess, over the Christmas break. Mm. It's interesting. It's been a it's been interesting to watch how it all works because it's like they time it, you know, like there's like, yeah, if we go out on you know Labor Day weekend or whatever, like that people are gonna want to read it. Maybe I'm we'll approach people at this time in the in the year because they'll be more likely, they'll be more interested in a book that's a bit lighter or something like that. Like there's like a science to it. And it's well, intuitive science, you know, very interesting. But the book is about, I feel like I'm just waffling on, man. You can edit this, right? You just sort of cut bits out. I know, I'm keeping it off. This is beautiful. Oh, you can, oh shit. I didn't say anything. I'm not going to get cancelled, am I? What have I said? No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it's about, basically it's about, it's kind of like, it's a weekend in a little country town. It's me and my friend, uh, James Bomer, who's uh, my best buddy. And he's a, a gay man who works in the cosmetic in, cosmetics industry. It's quite mm-hmm. high up in, in, in cosmetics. Um, and I'm a heterosexual straight Australian. He's an American. I'm an Australian. 
and we go on this trip together. That's the hook, right? Straight guy and a gay guy, American, Australian. That's They call that a hook. Um, and we go to, because we're both sort of like, kind of always been him more than me, I want to say, like kind of semi-obsessed with James Dean and the James mm. Dean myth. So it's about us road tripping to James Dean's uh, childhood home, Fairmont, Indiana, which is also where he happens to be buried. And it's a pop- it has a population of about 3.5 thousand people in the middle of the Corn Belt in Indiana. So it's like a tiny-ass country town. And it's right. where he grew up and it's, and it's where he's buried. So it's like Mecca for James Dean fans. And people go there all the time for, to visit his grave and pay their respects. So it's about a weekend in the country. That's awesome. With, yeah. So it's, and it's funny. It's educational. You learn about James Dean a little bit and it's <laughs> poignant. <laughs> it has poignancy, but yeah, I loved writing it. It's, it's great. It's like so much fun writing. It was hard initially. And then it was like, once I sort of figured out my process, I was like, okay, this is how I do it. Why was it hard? And it was, it was hard to like know how, to, cause it's, it's, well, those first couple of years, it was just daunting. And I almost, almost avoided doing work a little mm. bit because it was scary. It was like, fuck, this is such a big thing. Like once you sort of, you know, lots of different ways of writing a novel. Like some people, you know, they call it, pan- they call it pantsing it, like see your pants, you just start writing. Other people do like a, a full-on map of how the chapters are going to work, what's going to be in each chapter, how the storyline's going to move, you know, where the arcs are going to be and all that sort of thing. And I did, I went that route. I thought I need to get this out on paper and map it out so I know what I'm going to do. And of course it changed. Mm-hmm. But once I sort of saw the work involved, it freaked me out. And then it was only when I took that year, a year of drinking that I, it sort of clicked for me. I was like, I just have to do this. I just have to get up every morning at the same time and sit down and and do it. And just do as much as I can each day. So if I write a thousand words one morning for the, that hour and a half, two hours before work, amazing. But if I get six words, that's what happened. That was what the day was, right? You can't but force it's just it. Like, can't force it. And it's just like, it's just really like building a house with bricks and you just have to use your time wisely like that. That's what I found. And was, because I, you know, like, I mean, the stuff I do for Monster Children, like you're writing an article for a skateboard magazine, it's pretty sort of, it's pretty easy, right? You got to sit down, fucking think of some funny shit to write. Da, 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 da. You're going to interview with someone. You you know you write a list of questions. You know who they are. You know their background. So that way you can sort of have an organic conversation with them. But this is it was such a big thing. I don't know. I feel kind of silly because I know for a lot of people, having that kind of discipline is just like a natural part of growing up. You like something you just learn. But I don't. I guess no one ever. Taught, yeah, no one taught me that. No one taught taught me that like. If you're going to do something big, you've got to do it incrementally and you've just got to be consistent and just do it and do it and do it and do it and build it that way. That's the secret. That's the secret. Yeah. And I didn't know it. I was just like, oh, yeah, if I sit down and I write a thousand words every single day and what is it? It's going to be an 80,000 word novel. That's 80 days, a thousand words a day. That's easy. But it just doesn't work like that at all. So starting your zine with whoa. To going to being the editor in chief of Monster Children, now writing this novel of yours, this is where it has led you up to this like moment. Yeah. Did you want this to happen? Was this always in the cards? No, dude. I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> no, I just sort of. I I started Woo Magazine because I'll tell you why I started Woo Magazine because I went on a date with this girl, Spanish chick, 
named Sylvia. She's gorgeous. And I would, I'd recently broken up with someone. Anyway, her and I were in a taxi and I'll never forget it. She said to me, she said, Jason, you've got to make something. You've got to do something. Otherwise, people aren't, no one's going to be interested in you. No one's going to want to go out with you. <laughs> That's what she said. She was pretty brutal. She was like, you've got to, she's like, you just work in bars. You need to make something. You've got to create things. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's unattractive. And I was like, huh. And I was really offended. And then I was like, I thought about it. I was like, fuck, she's totally right. Like, you've got to nope, do she's stuff. She's right. She's right. And then, um, yeah, so I went out and I started making stuff. Wow. <laughs> it was, but it was like the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, I should do a zine. And then, because <laughs> I, no I have no background in writing at all. I got really lucky. Like, I sort of started doing the woo and then it fell into, like, before I started at Monster Children for a few years, you know, I ended, up, I ended up working for Vice. Actually, my girlfriend ex-girlfriend Aoife got me my big break she got me a job first time I ever published something was for um V magazine do you know V magazine of course it's like a yeah big fashion mag so she was the um art director there when we were dating and she sort of she forced me to like she got me a job really she forced me to come in and meet with the editor Chris Bowen Chris is a published author I think he's like I'm up to five books and he was editing interview magazine for a while I don't know what if what he does there. Yeah, that was random. That was so weird. I just like love that all of these, everything that you edit, right? Everything that you put out within all these publications. I just feel like with all the writing that you, that even for all of my friends and guests of the Wear Many Hats podcast of this show, is that I feel like as all as all these words that come out, they just keep obviously getting better they learn so much that it's just like it needs to be in a book at the end for some for what, some what the podcast you mean well to like all my writer friends oh you know man. they just like i feel like a book is always like the end well, that's, game yeah that's the, the that's end goal pinnacle, like that's right. the end goal yeah yeah it really is i mean i didn't you've got to have something to write about though i suppose but I didn't really set out to become an author. No, no, just happened, no, it just happened. I really, I, yeah, it did. I just, I went away. Well, initially I was going to write about this trip to Fairmont. It was going to be a magazine. It was going to be in Monster Children. And then once I'd been and got back and had all my notes and stuff and, you know, I took a dictaphone, so I was recording and I interviewed a lot of people and, mm -hmm. and I got home and I was like, shit, this is a, this could be a really funny book. It could be a fun book. And, um, yeah, and consequently, it it is. It's a fun. It's it's funny. It's funny, mm. but it's not like silly funny. It's not right, sort of right. Funny monster I, children funny. Like I'm not funny in the yeah, book. Yeah, I was about to say James. That. Yeah, yeah. No, James. James is the funny guy. He's he's naturally funny. So it's really just a lot of a lot of the comedy is based on him and his reaction to being in the in the Midwest, you know, or in the Corn Belt. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I, I think that it seems, I think that you're funny. I feel like you realize Thanks, that man. you are funny. I'm not as funny as I used to be, but yeah, go on. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm just being stupid. You know, what, you know what's really interesting? I don't really, I crack myself up. I don't think of myself as being that funny. Like there's uh -huh. definitely people I'm like, that, that guy is fucking hilarious. Like Steve Coogan. Mm -hmm. absolutely hilarious like one of the funniest people who ever lived so when people say oh you're funny i just i always think eh, i'm not that funny but you know when you know when you know you're funny i reckon 
It's when you get funnier than your dad. If your dad was a funny person and then all of a sudden you're doing the jokes, that's when I think that's when you know. I, I eclipsed him. <laughs> I eclipsed my dad. <laughs> I eclipsed him like in my 20s. Like I don't remember exactly when, but it was just like a Christmas time. I'm the guy doing the jokes now. You sit down. I'm the funny one, dad. <laughs> Love that. He Love never, that. Listen, he never <laughs> listens to this. But, I hope um, he does. I hope he does. No, he'll be pissed <laughs> off. But he, he used to be, that my dad was super duper funny. That never happened. I just made that up. But he used to be no. like just the funniest dude. I think that's important, right? Like you gotta, I don't know. You gotta have uh I think if your parents like if your parents aren't funny people, are you gonna be funny? Like a serious do funny people come from serious families? I guess they do, right? They do. Can be a, can be a reaction to that. I'm kind of nerdy funny though. Like I grew up on like Monty Python records and shit. Like my dad. Yeah, you're giving Mo- you're giving Monty Python for sure. Yeah. 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 Which is so nerdy. <laughs> it's so it's so it's so nerdy now. Like I never reference Monty Python because it's just such a nerd <laughs> thing. But like I grew up on that as a kid, and a lot of it I didn't even get. No. Nah. You know, like it was, but I got the surrealism of it, like the weird. It's funny because it doesn't make sense, sort of thing, you know. Like no. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Well, but anyway, yeah. Hats off to you and everything that you do for some Dasar Wear Many Hats solutions. Would you think that the Wear Many Hats podcast is in the ballpark for Monster Children? When this episode comes out, would you cover it and feature it in Monster Children? Sure, man. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you want you want me to put it on the put it on the website? Of course. Sure. Legendary. Full oh circle. My God. Yeah, but then everyone at work's going to listen to it. Did I talk about anyone from work? I love everyone at work. They're all so lovely. You actually said that <laughs> they were funny too, so. Yeah, yeah, they're lots of funny people. I work with a very, it's a really good office. Like everyone's, there's no dickheads, you know. I feel like every office has like an asshole, at least one, but there's none at Monster Children. They're all good people. They're all fun. But yeah. That's great. Diplomacy. <laughs> If you were to get a chest tattoo quote, what would it be? What are these? Are these your icebreaker questions, right? No, end? this is this is the this is how we end the podcast. Oh, a chest tattoo? Chest tattoo quote. What are these questions? Oh. Yeah, don't worry. I, oh, I ask mean, like, them you're all gonna, the time. <laughs> what? So I was gonna get get like uh, a quote from somebody on my chest. Yeah. Oh, dude, save Ferris. I love that. Save Save Ferris from Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. I feel like Save Save Ferris is like it's like the stay gold of my generation. I think you're not stay old. gold, right? So people need to I'm watch that, dude. I'm so old. The stay Save Ferris. You know Ferris Bueller, right? So he pretends to be sick, and then the kids at school are shaking cans. Save Ferris, Save Ferris, trying to get money. And Ferris is like, Ferris is like this great kid, and he's fun, and he's and he's like. He's not, he's not about to be fucked over by adulthood and and stuff. You know, it's very evident in the movies. Like that's that's his greatest fear is to become a boring, stiff person person who doesn't enjoy life. And he's all about enjoying life. And I've always thought like the save Ferris has kind of like two meanings. Like yeah, save Ferris, but also like save yourself, be Ferris, stay gold from you know the outsiders. And that's like a common tattoo. Like stay gold just means stay. I mean, you know, it's it means. Um, and just always appreciate your life and always, you know, watch the sunset. It's it's like, um, 
yeah, I've always thought that the Save Ferris, that, that that would be my chest tattoo, I think, Save Ferris. No, it's a great chest tattoo quote. I mean, I have seen someone stay gold. Yeah, there's lots of stay gold. There's yeah. lots of stay Which gold. Which is cool. Yeah, but... But I, no yeah, Save Ferris. Well, I've actually, I actually do have Save Ferris, but it's very, it's not on my chest. I have it here. I don't know if you can see it. It's just there. You see that? Right oh. above, incidentally. The New the Yorker logo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I got a buddy who works at the New Yorker and I sent him, I got this photo. Well, because after I left New York, you know, I was there for 15 years. I was like, oh, I should get, I want to get like a New York tanner, you know? And I was back in New York after a year of living in Sydney. And I was like, I got to get like, what do you get? You don't get New York. You don't get Manhattan. You don't get like Statue of Liberty. I thought, what's like no. a, a thing that's, and I was like, oh yeah, the New Yorker. And I got that guy. I can't remember his name, but it's the New Yorker guy, the snobby dude with the monocle looking at the the butterfly but yeah so that's that's just there's where it says save ferris that's which, perfect. and then it's backwards as well you should be able to see it the that's, right way right i see it perfectly yeah so when i look in the mirror i get to see it but no one else can read it because it's it's like uh yeah <laughs> Shit, dude. plug yeah. your socials where can people find you no oh, they don't want to find me my instagram's so boring okay at okay crombie that's it is there anything... not, I haven't posted anything since like July. I've been I've been working. Instagram is such a time suck, dude. I try to avoid it. Is. It. it is. <laughs> Wait till you see TikTok. Oh, dude, I've seen it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> I went to I went to a movie last night. Fuck, what was it called? It was by the the Korean director that did um, Parasite. The mm-hmm. new movie. I can't. And it bummed me out because all the way through the movie, people were like consulting their telephones for things, like looking at their phones. I was like, fucking. I go to the movies to get away from telephones and all I could, I was just watching. I was like, God, Jesus Christ. I'm looking at something on the phone again. And now he's, <laughs> he's Googling something and, and just, it just bummed me out. I hate telephones. It's the worst. It's the worst. Maybe that could be my chest tattoo. I hate telephones. I really do. That's anyway, a, that's right. a good one too. That's a good one too. What time is it there, dude? It's after midnight. You need to get some sleep. Crumb. <laughs> it's not, but congrats on everything i oh thanks the book works out i hope it works out i hope it works out i mean worst case scenario i'll just shelve it and start something else but um it's been pretty promising i mean you know i think i got something i think hopefully give it 12 months and hopefully you'll see something but uh the bumming thing is you publish a book you don't instantly become you don't get to quit your job no you just you just have a book out (laughs) <laughs> just, just like all those get, other books out there yeah yeah exactly no one gets paid a million dollars <laughs> thank you crom for coming on wear many hats it was great to have you thanks for having me dude i'm sorry i um i'm sorry i flaked the first time dude that was mm. dickish <laughs> that was dickish i no, totally flaked it was great it was great till all next right. uh, till next time cool to meet you okay yeah. <laughs> till next time this is where many hats <laughs> presented by Tassar, and i'm rashad Thank you.